0: But from a user point of view, it's very difficult to sift through and understand, you know, what should I be learning about?
1: Modern life is time sensitive and there's a hell of a lot out there to read. Finding the time to do that and getting the information that you want to get from the books available can feel a bit daunting. But today we're meeting the organisation who are trying to transform your downtime into something with a lot more purpose. This is Tech Talks, your twice weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, powered by the Harvey Nash Group, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you some technology news. Joining me today uh, on Tuesday morning, recording on the day of the release of the podcast, got Chloe again and Akish. How are you both? Morning, I'm good, thank you.
2: Very well, very very well.
1: Enjoying the Olympics now into full swing.
2: Well, I, I, do you know, what? I, I watched. What did I watch? yesterday? Was it yesterday when the two guys shared shared a medal?
1: Was that it? Oh, yeah, they couldn't be split, could they? I can't remember what event it was. It was track and field, wasn't it? I think it was. Was it? And yeah. they just couldn't be split after God knows how many attempts?
2: Yeah, so they were just like, we could be here all night, lads, or do you just both want to win? And they were like, <laughs> yeah, all right, no priorities. So, yeah, I did watch that. Which Only
1: great. in the Olympics. I do, I do find it hilarious that Russia are supposed to be banned, but they're not because they're just competing as the Russian Olympic Confederation. It's like... Isn't that Russia? <laughs> Everyone's calling them Russia. Yeah. Whenever they win a medal, the Russian flag goes up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's um, yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty intense. But also, do you know what I do like about the Olympics is that um, you can tell that it still means the same to people, even though there's mm. no there's no crowds. Because like you, you know when they're like winning and stuff, like especially yeah. in the especially in the massive like Olympic stadium. So they're like they get to the finish line and then they're literally doing a lap of the stadium looking into the seats but there's no one there it's like i thought that's pretty nice in it yeah
1: yeah i do i do find it amazing when you kind of get these like in the pool and stuff and on the, like the diving board and all that kind of stuff like I there's no way i'd ever jump off a 10 meter diving board and then they kind of do what they do and you're just like wow and like the gymnastics you kind of look at it and you go holy shit how do they have that much like upper body strength and stuff like max um Whitlock on the pommel horse and you kind of can be like really impressed by all that but it's when it begins to get to the running when it's like stuff that you can do mm. like I can't do gymnastics I can be <laughs> impressed by it but I can't do it I can run reasonably well so when you like see someone running and you're like I know what that takes and holy shit they are fast <laughs> you're Man. like Jesus Christ
2: also your mentor mental is the BMX have you, have you seen any of that yeah. I've, only, I've only seen it online they're crazy they're nutters. They're absolute nutters. Like Yeah. What the hell? This is a back flipping and stuff like oh yeah, I don't know. It's just crazy, but fair enough to
1: them. Yeah. very, very good. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Uh, rambling on about the Olympics, it's the kind of thing that this podcast is not about it, it's all about technology. And today's uh, technology interview is all about what you do with your spare time. So if you're not watching the Olympics, you might want to read a book. And if you're reading a book, you might get some education. So we're going to hand over, that'll all make sense. And we'll come back with some commentary afterwards. So today I'm talking to Jamie True. Jamie, you're the founder of Uptime. How are you this morning?
0: I'm good, David. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. How are you? Uh, we're,
1: yeah, good, thanks. Where are you, you <laughs> dialing in from?
0: That's a good question. I was thinking about that. I'm actually in sunny Spain on holiday. So you're probably thinking, oh. why am I working from here? But I love working. So
1: that would explain um, the very healthy colour that you have. So <laughs> not jealous at all. Uh I would imagine then you've got some time to to actually utilize your own service and and use uptime whilst you sat around a pool or on a beach or maybe having a siesta, right?
0: That's exactly what I've been doing this morning, actually. Um I was I was having a bit of uptime. I was I was um using one of um, one of our books called Boulder by Carl Honoré so I was listening to that this morning so yeah it's great it's a good opportunity to get some relaxation and I heard it's kind of pretty bad in London with floods so I don't feel too bad being away
1: yeah thankfully I'm not in central London but I did go through London at the weekend and it was it was biblical I think I think that's, <laughs> that is the best way of describing it anyway look if, if someone's unfamiliar about what we're talking about who what is uptime great well um, you know uptime is,
0: is is knowledge hacking effectively so What we've made made to do is we've built an app, which is on Apple and Google, um, and we um, distill the key insights, and I'd say action items from the world's leading books, courses, and documentaries. Um, And we do that in a really fun, tappable, five-minute story format. So we're really known right now for being like the five-minute knowledge hacking company. Which, you know, um, and what we really do is we get the best content in the world from the likes of all the New York Times bestsellers, LinkedIn Learning, Udemy, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Masterclass, and we put it all in your pocket in five minute hacks, basically, so you can get smart fast.
1: And how is that delivered? Is that is that text? five minutes kind of have written? these are the these are the the takeaways from this item, or is it audio? what How are you delivering it?
0: Yeah, that's really good. So what we have is um you know we've got a real multimodal um, uh, experience, and uh, I'll kind of say that in plain English in a second what that means because you're like, what's multimodal? But effectively, like research has shown that people remember ten percent really of what they read. of what they hear and 30% of what they see. But if you could really present things in a format that combines them all, um, your retention rate averages over 50%. So people are more likely to remember what they learn on uptime because that's what we do. So effectively, we've looked at a a different kind of younger audience who really love what we do, but it is effectively for everybody. It is really inclusive. Um, And we've created a format which is very unique, which is kind of like reading a book or watching a documentary or doing a course in like an Instagram story where you just tap and you go across. And it's very, um, it's interesting because it's not just text, it can be video, it can be, you can listen, you can watch, and that's the kind of multi, multimodal experience. But some people actually just put it on um, hearing mode and you could podcast mode effectively. So if you didn't want to do that and you just wanted to put it in your ear on sunbathe, which I haven't done, um, that you can do that too.
1: So, so look, I mean, what what kind of subjects are we are we talking about here? And I suppose that then dictates the audience. Because having a look on on online, you know, you go on your top books to download now, and you've got a course hack here on something very topical, vaccine development, which I imagine <laughs> people might be quite interested in right now. Um, but that's that's not like formal education, that's just stuff that people might want to know because it's coming up in conversation around dinner tables, pubs, whatever else, right?
0: Yeah, no, that that's really interesting. So, so effectively, we 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 work really much in the soft skills area. So I don't know if you really, know, but if when you look at education, it's an eighty-nine billion market edtech at the moment. It's it's burgeoning and growing, and there's so much out there. So if you think about the problems, and the, well, if I if I maybe could share with you just a few of the problems in the market, it will list, mm-hmm. explain to me why we've done this business. So when we look. And the competitors out there and what they're doing, it looks like there's it's, it's great for all these companies coming into EdTech, but from a user point of view, it's very difficult to sift through and understand, you know, what should I be learning about? You know, there's just so many things. So what makes us really different is the format, which we talked about, but also our content, which we will go on to, which is, it's diverse. It's, a, it's from all the best global authors and creators in unique content. Um, and that's expertly curated into five minutes. So it's finding a bit of our technology enables us to find, you know, what should you be watching? What should you be learning? What are the best courses? What are the best books? What are the best things and kind of the areas that you asked, like by topic, it could be personal growth, business, leadership, mind, and philosophy, history, lifestyle, you know, marketing, sales, coding, art, design. So we really cover all of um, the soft skills market, which is about 65% of the market. and that's kind of how we we work and that's how we work with the user. So it's like, these are the things that will help prove your soft skills, will upskill you and make you better and get smart fast effectively.
1: Out of interest, how do you distill some of this content into wow. five minutes? Because again, look, you've got, looking at that, at uh, uh, kind of the books available, Rage, um, you know, international bestseller all about Donald Trump. Huge amounts of information in there. Yeah. Who sits there and goes, "Here's the here's the five <laughs> minutes from this book, packed full of info that this person needs."
0: That's great. So, like, that kind of, that's really our technology advantage and where we've really invested in the business. So, we've raised. Um, uh, we're we're kind of just before Series A as a business and we've raised already 20 million at the moment from fantastic investors. Um even like the founder of YouTube's an investor, a guy called Chad Hurley. Um, so and uh, we can go into it later, but an amazing investor group along with myself and we've all been entrepreneurs before. So when we set up the business, it was all about, you know, how how can we build the best product, but how do we create a technology that will allow us to scale? So, you know, being able to hack a book in five minutes, how do you scale that? So that's really been a, a, the problem, which we solved. And what we've done, it, it's kind of broken into many parts. So the first thing is, how do you know which book to hack? So we've got technology that actually scours and looks at many sources and does a lot of compare with an analyst. We have many, a big analyst team that then looks at all of the things in certain areas. You know, this one is trending. This one is hot. This one is, you know, um, highly rated. And we make, we have a scoring system that in, what tells our, our curation team, that this is the actual book or course or documentary to hack. So once that's done, what we do is we take the entirety of a book, which may be, say, 120 to 150,000 words or a course or a documentary, um, and we take that raw form. And we have technology, but then we'll take that down from, say, 150,000 words to 8,000 words. It will will basically say what is the book or course in a nutshell about, what are the three key insights, what is the best quote? Some depth on the three key insights and the conclusion. Um, that's what the 10,000 words will come to our actual curators at the end. So that does a lot of the heavy lifting for our internal work. Once that, that gets down into 10,000 words, it then gets given to our expert writers globally, which we have, who are which really add the quality. So it's all about the human and the technology overlap to build something great. So what they will do is they'll take that 10,000 words and take it down into A piffy 1200 words into that format and that's our format and uh, 1200 words in our format is five minutes so that's that's what we do and you'll say well how do you know what the best quote is but we've got sources well in the internet there's many sites that talk about best quotes and books so we actually go through all hundreds of sources and then say which ones are the, the most talked about and those get given to the curator to then decide so there's lots of options for the curator when they do that kind of hacking part at the end. So um, part machine, part human.
1: So look, um, you've been described as kind of the, uh, I know you you're, you're at Paint before hit record, so you're not, you're not strictly EdTech, but you've been described almost as the Spotify for EdTech. And, and you're there describing how you, how you make sure the content is, is relevant. But if I'm a user and I go in there and I go, I really want to know about topic X, yeah. You know, I know that Spotify in this last year have been because we've spoken to them on the podcast about that it's all about <clears> customer journeys. So, how do you, if someone comes onto the platform and they goes right, I really want to be an expert in X, Y, or Z. How do you make sure that that journey, that that experience, rather than kind of going right, well, here's just a whole load of books about the subject, it really begins to upskill someone in a way that is is meaningful um, and isn't. And I use this analogy again before we hit record, but isn't like Joey just randomly buying the V. Encyclopedia Britannica because it was all he could afford. And as soon as, as soon as friends start talking about anything other than volcanoes, he's stuck again.
0: That's that's a very good point. And we talked about that Joey episode um, in Friends, one of my <laughs> it's favorites. It's a classic. <laughs> <laughs> anything but Joey does, we like. Um, yeah. But what's really interesting, people have limited resources. It goes back to some of the problems we solve. So if you look about limited resources, books, courses, documentaries are expensive. So you could go spending a lot of money on courses and they're rarely finished as well. So... Um, knowing which one to do and then getting to the end of them is a problem. So you know, listening to what you say and and the problem is, how do I get on a path? I want to learn about X, and there is a path, and I think that's a big part of what uptime provides. Because right now, if you said go learn about coding Python, I could go spend on Udemy X many dollars and just do a course, and then like realize after three hours of downed information, but this is not for me and I've wasted my money. So what I think is really good, because actually I didn't really want to do that. Um, So what we do is we really take the introductions of a topic. So someone could come to our time to learn about certain things, get it in those short five minutes. But what's really different to what we do to other other sites is that we then say, look, this information came from this course. So you may want to go and do the full course. And we've given you that distillation of it. So actually... Um, from the author's point of view or the curator, they really win. And this is kind of like the win-win relationship where all boats rise. Um, we find that 10% of people that um, finish a hack, go forward and actually interact with the author's direct website. So um, it's a really low risk way to get into something if you wanted to find that information. If that's enough information and you were never going to buy that course, well, you wouldn't have done anyway, but at least you've got some basic information. Um, And if you wanted to, this is a really great learning path to introduce the end user to all of the best kind of authors and creators out there, because the heavy lifting of going to figure out who is a good person to listen to about X is actually quite a heavy job. Um, I don't know if you know, there was a million books published last year and 350,000 courses. And the the amount of duplication is huge around certain topics. So just the job of being able to help someone with, hey, you know, these are these are great things because we've done that curation and that's part of our service. Um, is a great value to the end user.
1: Yeah, that's that's really interesting. You kind of preempted something that I was going to ask because because you must have some kind of partnerships with the publishers, right? If you're putting a New York Times bestseller on the platform and you're use, you're taking that content and distilling it, well, you're probably doing that uh, through some commercial arrangement with them. Um, but at the same time, if it's like here's the book in five minutes, then someone might go, "Great, I don't need to read it." So it's interesting that ten percent then go on to read it, and I did. I did wonder how that partnership works and what the relationship is with publishers and so on.
0: Yeah, that's really good. So, so effectively, all the hacks we do are completely our own work. So it's our rendition of it, but we never copy anything that would be in a book. And it's kind of like our. These are the three things, kind of like the trailer, but it's more because it's more of a distillation of what it is. Mm. So, um, and then we allow someone to go ahead and promote quite heavily. So the, the 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 relationship with us and authors, websites, um, you know, storytellers, um, researchers is that if we decide to hack someone's content, we will promote them um, and give them free marketing. Um, some of them have affiliate opportunities as well, where we can make small amounts of money on the affiliate, but that isn't our main model at all. We're really about driving the best stuff and uh, driving marketing to the curator's website, so that's our commercial relationship, and that kind of can be in, in an affiliate kind of affiliation style from a commercial point of view. But what's really interesting is a lot of um, we've had a lot of support from the industry, the likes of Lily Cole, Uber Butler, Dr. Tara uh, Swat, who was like a senior lecturer at MIT, um, and the, the, the feedback from authors. It's a kind of a a perennial theme is that like marketing their books and courses is really crowded and difficult and it's a Mm -hmm. challenge and uptime for them solves a big issue, which is increasing their reach, their popularity and getting to a diverse audience that they wouldn't have necessarily got to. So that's kind of how we work with them. And because we're actually writing everything in our own rendition, we're not, you know, this is just our opinion of what this, this book is about in five minutes. Um, you know, we're not copying or needing to take a license. It's, it's fair use effectively. So we don't need um, a kind of commercial um, agreement to be able to hack a piece of information. I mean, if you go on YouTube, there's advice on everything, but you don't need to, you know, ask someone to permission to do a critique of something. Um, so that's, that's kind true. of, yeah.
1: You described yourself as an entrepreneur. Um, and you also told me that you don't think you've done very well. <laughs> Uh and yet, as you mentioned, you've got uh funding from, from Chad Hurley. Um and since launching in January, and this figure might be out of date now, but you've gained over a hundred thousand users. Um most people would say you've done pretty well. So why do you think that you haven't?
0: It's a great question. I think it's all, always part of like being a challenger brand in yourself. So for me, it's like you're only as good as the last thing that you've done. And um once I think it's maybe going back to the early days when you listed, used to like listen to pop music and see the likes of Millie Vanilli or Bros, and they only have one hit and then they never come back again. It's like, oh gosh, you have to keep doing this repetitively to be um, and bigger and better every time or you're kind of not relevant anymore. So I think there's a kind of small little niggling fear there that every time I start something new, it has to be better than the last one, which really drives that, I would imagine.
1: Is that the case? I mean, you know, Steve Jobs effectively only had one idea and it was a pretty good one and he just was able to pivot it and and it, and it and it grew. I mean, you know, when he tried next, that didn't work. So I suppose you could say that he just was, he had that monster one hit wonder that enabled him to kind of rejig it and reinvent it and launch other products and services within it. I'm just quite interested yeah. in this mentality.
0: It's very individual, I guess. Um, and it's a really interesting, but i I, I kind of rarely analyze it myself, but um, but I think some people just have real drive to really create and be wacky investors, and so inventors. And I think there's one part of me, which is an inventor side, which, um, and the challenge of doing it on multiple things. I, I kind of um, have found that in tech also, it's very interesting, especially um, UK tech scene, the Israel tech scene, and the California tech scene. You know, Companies rarely get past five years if they're really good without being acquired. And things change very, very rapidly. So I think the modern day entrepreneur has to con- constantly reinvent themselves and think that once they've done something, you know, it's very rare. It's really an outlier of Steve Jobs where you stay on and you grow that and you've managed to stay that all the way. I mean, as a founder to run a huge company with hundreds of thousands of employees, it's not that common. So I guess as an entrepreneur nowadays, um, there's, it, there's, when you hear people raising money, it's always like, Hit's, what's your three to five year plan? How are you going to get there? Um, and getting there kind of means that something normally happens. And if you've got something really good, you know, big partnerships happen and anything can happen. So um, I guess you, it's just something that you just have to get used to because, you know, you can't just probably get into something saying, well, I love this sector. That's what I'm going to live with for the rest of my life. And that's it, because sometimes it doesn't work out that way. So I kind of feel almost safe in a way of knowing that actually things keep changing all the time. And that's what I'm accepting. Um, so it's, it's 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 an interesting psychology, I guess.
1: So look what what would your advice then be to other serial entrepreneurs out there or to that wacky inventor who accepts that they're not going to be in one sector for the whole of their life but therefore is looking for problems constantly to fix how do you how do you try and categorize stuff that you go that's an idea that's business worthy versus that's just something that's plain wacky
0: yeah i think you've just hit the nail on the head with in what you described i feel that Um, If someone says to me, like, why would you invest in something? I mean, from a commercial point of view, it really has to make sense. Just without, you know, if you just take a step back, does this really make sense? And some things, things can be really complicated, and they really don't. Um, So I love things that really make sense. And many of you just got to think about, from a a point of view, is there the right people um, that can actually take this through lots of pivots? It very rarely, uh, whatever you start with, very rarely, uh, is what you release. Product market fit is very rarely your initial business plan, and that's the truth on most businesses. It very rarely is. You know, you, your first little business plan you write down is very rarely nailed on. Guaranteed, that's the finished product. So, like um, someone very wise told me once, um, they asked me a question. I'll ask. I'll ask you actually. What is the strongest tree on earth?
1: It's probably not the redwood. I mean, you you might kind of initially jump to that. It's probably something that looks particularly uh kind of i don't know like a willow tree or something like that
0: well apparently it's the palm tree oh right okay Um, because it because it it bends a lot and it can withstand um, of course yes um kind of kind of stuff and i think that's kind of the i feel like the best um attribute that one could say in entrepreneurialism right now because um coming to the table being fixed and not being able to bend like the palm tree is quite dangerous because um You know, in this modern changing agile world where data changes everything, um, the product moves very quickly with agility and data and also value prop. The amount of people that will come in and want to invest in a business and just take your value prop and say, put it in the toilet, start again. And just being happy with that um, is really hard for people who come in with a a fixed mentality. So, I mean, even our business, you know, we're really excited right now. We've only been kind of monetizing since April. We've got um one hundred and fifty thousand users in that short period of time. Right. Um, you know we're growing forty percent on our users month for month, so we're expecting nearly forty thousand you know users in August, new users coming in, and we charge as well. So we have a kind of premium offering where, users get access to our full library for for a monthly or an annual fee and that's going really well right now so we're seeing that all the key metrics of the business are like really going in the right direction with growth and acquisition and like our our kind of north star i don't know if you hear about that you know our north star is like hacks per dau so getting people into our platform getting them to actually see a hack getting them to finish a hack um really is is a key metric for us and that's working well so like what we're seeing right now is all of the Changes we do on our platform right now are really down to, to data and being flexible. So it's a really exciting process. Um, and what's great is like the teams. It's like just like getting, I think a lot of companies are at a disadvantage if you just don't have the right people who really know what they're doing. You you, you tend to um, hit a lot of roadblocks along the way if you have to kind of, you hear that word refactoring and go back because someone didn't think that you needed to change this or change that. That's really dangerous. And, it, and you, you just don't have time um to um have to keep going backwards so it's the thought process in the value prop going forward mm. um i think if people really spent more time on their value prop and kind of um going for all the probabilities of all the outcomes before you start building um it can be quite helpful
1: look i think it's fascinating i think there's some really great insight there for for, for would-be entrepreneurs um I am loathe to keep you from the Spanish sunshine and the chance to sit down and and get a few more quick hacks. So thank you for your time, and I hope the business continues to go well, and you do you do get those new tens of thousands of followers in the months to come.
0: No, that's a real pleasure, David, and, and thank you for having me on the the podcast today. Really, really enjoyed speaking to you.
1: Right, uh, Chloe Akish. Last thing you read?
2: Uh, I read a book by Felix White. Singer from the Maccabees. Yeah, right. yeah. Um about his love for music and cricket and how it helped him through his mental health. I can't remember what it's called. Uh I think it was like Everyday in summer or something. It's actually quite interesting. I've made it sound really boring. but <laughs> <laughs> I've really I'm, I've not done it any justice, have I? Uh it's called It's Always Summer Somewhere. There we go. right yeah, yeah, yeah okay okay um yeah that was all. Chloe
0: those. I mean I've got the basic answer don't I I'm the last book I read was the Harry Potter one the last Harry Potter
1: nothing <laughs> nothing wrong or basic with that
0: I know but I just know that that's like the most generic answer but they're literally the only books I've read so
1: I do find this proposition is quite interesting because you kind of go you go on the app and you have a scroll through through what's on offer yeah and it is more educational stuff i do I do find it quite interesting i think i mentioned the trump book fury in the podcast um that's the kind of thing that i probably wouldn't use this for like i would use this for like very much factual self help stuff which i don't generally read anyway mm-hmm. um because when i read i like to read i am a massive geek and i do like fantasy and sci-fi and there's no point reading like a science fiction novel in a five minute pricey like well that's not the whole point of it equally with like an autobiography i suppose you could like get a five minute download of an autobiography if you were interested in the maccabees say but you wouldn't get much pleasure from it in quite the same way but i can totally see like if i pick up a self-help book and it's 200 pages and it's all about how to be an entrepreneur i could not be more bored Mm. yeah but distill the information for me and i think that's genius
2: I think so. I was on their thing. They've got um, so they've, they've got a um, a hack. Is it called a hack? Is is that what they're calling it? Like the five minute? yeah. So they've got a hack on Stormzy and his book, like <laughs> Rise Up, in the story so far. I'd never read a book about Stormzy, but I like his music, and I'd actually be like, do you know what? When I got five minutes, yeah, I wouldn't mind listening to that and just kind of hearing what he's got to say in a book. And, <laughs>
1: Do you think that would lead you to, to, to reading it? Probably not because <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean,
2: Storms is, he's an artist and you know, he's, he does what he does. And I probably wouldn't read a book, but I'd want to know what's in his book because maybe that would make sense when you listen to his music. Do you know what I mean? It would just add a bit more mm. context. Um, and the other thing as well, I completely agree with you. Do you know, like when you go on holiday and stuff and like, you go to like a completely new place that you've never been before yeah and and sometimes i don't know if you look around on the plane sometimes people are reading about that city that the plane's going to you ever, you ever been there right oh yeah okay yeah, yeah yeah so they're like i don't know 10 like top 10 things about valencia there's always some old like lady just sat there just reading it <laughs> like yeah you know, like, just look on google but if it was stuff like that like you know places to go or if there was like i don't know volcanoes or something like that then that would be pretty decent um but yeah, well, yeah,
1: if, if, if you're going to Naples, you might want to have like yeah, a yeah, top five yeah. download on, on volcanoes. Yeah,
2: no, 100%. And like, um, this is really bad, right? But when I was listening to it, I was like, do you know what? If this was around about 10 years ago, it would be beautiful. Because when I was like, uh, I remember I went out on a date once, and this is the first story. <laughs> I went out on a date once with a girl who, who loved history and she was studying history and all this sort of <laughs> stuff, right? Yeah. I pretended that I really cared about history. Didn't really give a shit to be honest. Right. Anyway, my friend, he, he also did history. So I told him to text me like this massive list of things to like, like take in. So I could mention those on the date so that she could be like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah really good. Imagine if this was around then I could yeah. just listen to that on the way to the date.
1: Mate, I, I could not agree with you more. and I've got a story that's very similar. Um, <laughs> My second date with my wife. <laughs> on my first date, right, I found out that she was an actress, right? that yeah. she was at the time she was on the West End doing Shakespeare.
2: Right.
1: And for our second date, which she was like two days later, she was like, let's go see much do about nothing. Yeah. I am um, I paid fuck all attention to Shakespeare in school. Apart <laughs> we only did like Henry the about five times. Uh, and Othello and I knew nothing about much too about nothing and I, and I was really worried that I was going to appear stupid because I, I quite str- I struggled to follow Shakespeare yeah, like I've yeah. seen Macbeth a couple of times and like, I haven't got a fucking clue what's going on half the time mm. so I went out and I bought the play and read it
2: <laughs> see what I mean so if if they could have like things like that oh mate what a life changer yeah
1: honestly yeah. Um, Chloe, yeah. Chloe you're in education I mean have you, you could you could see if any of your texts are on there, right?
0: Yeah, I probably would use it, but I, I, I don't know if I would go out, out of my way to, like, I don't know, read a book when I could just read what they give me.
1: Yeah, exactly. So wow. that, that would make sense. Like, why 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 read the entire university text if you can kind of get, like, if yeah, out of the library? Get a little summary. Perfect for writing an essay. Top, top five points on this. Bingo, like, you're in there.
0: Yeah, no, that is true. It, it does seem like a good idea. But, yeah, I, I didn't, just didn't know about it, to be honest.
1: I think it's very good for, like,
2: inquisitive people or, like, you know, if you're just trying to, like, build up your knowledge and, oh, it'd be cool to find out about this. But it's one of those apps I was on, a, on, on the website last night and it was, like, you can – there's things that you can, like – it's a bit like Netflix where you might not watch it if it was, like, normal time or whatever, but because it's, yep. like, five minutes or something, you're like – well actually i'll give this a go like oh yeah like there, there was one on it like lost in a good game and i was like by like pete etchells and i was like what's this and i was like oh okay like and you just start reading about it you're like all right well i've got five minutes i'll hear about this then if it's any good do you know it's it's like trailers isn't it really
1: it's or like, like when you disappear down a hole on wikipedia
2: yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, End
1: up reading articles on holes, all sorts of random shit that normally you would not pay any attention to.
2: Yeah, articles written by like Joe from across the road as well. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I really believe what he's got to say, but you're still there reading it. Aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But, it, but it's a very good app, though. I think really.
1: Yeah, we're fans of it. There we go. Uh, Right, Jamie, thank you very much for being our guest on today's show. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to talk about electric speedboats. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They've started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. Right, when I first read this article, I was like... Really, what is the point? X Space X engineers in a race to build first commercial electric speedboat, and I was kind of like, God, is this just more rich people trying to build toys that the rest of us don't need? Cool. But I read a bit more into it, right? And um, it's this company, Arc Boat. They've announced four point two five million dollar worth of seed fund to start work on a four hundred and seventy five uh, horsepower craft. And basically, the reason that they're doing it is because they want to reduce the environmental impacts caused by petrol and diesel-powered boats. Um, Not only do they just get two miles to the gallon, they also pump a lot of these fuels into the water. In addition, there's huge noise pollution from a lot of conventional boats, and it's awful for marine life. With gas-powered boats, it's not just the carbon emissions into the air, but it's also polluting the water and causing noise pollution. And they they reference or recognize, rather, the fact that these boats are going to be very expensive to begin with, but I hope that they come down in price, and that the technology then can, can then be adapted and adopted by uh, large um, passenger vessels like ferries and so on. And I was reading it, and I was like, you know what? Fair play. There's tech at a cutting edge, pushing forward, especially when you know that like, the noise pollution in the water, actually, because the, the vast majority of marine life communicates through vibrations in the water, that that boats are horrendous and, and make it almost impossible for them to hear each other. I, I thought this was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, very, very decent. And it shows that people actually... Uh, what's the best way to say this? Actually caring for other things and the environment and you know like boats and stuff normally it's just how big can you be you know how loud and and fancy and all this sort of stuff it's actually well we share the water with other things and you know that there's there's kind of other ecosystems or whatever like there so let's build something that everyone can be happy with do you know what I mean rather than just oh this is us and I'm going to build a big ass boat or a fastest boat and do this and Gonna have this engine in there, just be a bit considerate, man. Like, you know, chill out. But I don't know, I, I, I reckon it's pretty decent. How, how much would it cost? Is it got that in there?
1: Uh, so they cheap, these things, are they? <clears throat> they're not. Um, let's have a look. Yeah, it just says the first models would be very expensive because the oh. cost in developing the technology. But but then cheaper work versions would be available in the future. It's very much the Tesla approach is how Ooh. they're talking about it. Um, and apparently back in, uh, where is it? There's there's a comment here that earlier this year, no, sorry, it was this month, sorry, the Monaco Yacht Club held a competition for electric boat prototypes mm. uh, to instigate a new vision and promote all positive approaches to bringing yachting into line with global carbon emission Uh, Reduction targets. So that's at least rich people trying to do good things. Well, yeah, makes makes them feel a bit better about themselves. (laughs) I'm all for that, you know. The Monaco
2: Yacht Club. I mean, (laughs) they ain't going to be short of a few quid,
1: are they? No.
2: (laughs) Monaco Yacht
1: Club. Well, have you have you been? Have either of you been to Monaco? I've never been. Never. No. So there are a lot of boats in the harbour, unsurprisingly, right next mm. to the Monaco Yacht Club. And uh, yeah, I mean, you're talking about billions of wealth. So um, yeah. if, they, if they could do that, you know, they, if they are polluting the ocean, they could, they could you know, do their bit to make sure it's not quite so damaging for the rest of us.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, they could land in their private jet, drive their Lamborghini to their uh,
1: <laughs> environmentally friendly
2: boat, you know. <laughs> But hey, who's, who's counting? Small steps, Akish. Yeah, small, small steps. steps. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Let, 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 let's
1: see what happens. But, um, Chloe, we, 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 we should get in touch with Arcboat on social. Try and find them. And that say, is a good idea. We, we like your boat or your <laughs> boat idea. Your idea. Because um, apparently they started with like no people and no warehouse in February. So pretty new. To raise like $4.25 million is pretty cool. We should, uh, we should ask them about, about their story.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good idea. What are they calling yeah. it?
1: Arc boat. Arc boat. Yeah. Nice.
2: Yeah, Chloe. And if you could also, uh, <laughs> if you could also tell them that you and I have not been to Monaco, and if we, we would like, be, uh, <laughs> yeah, if, if there's any tickets or any kind of, you know, testing, <laughs> if we can be part of R and D, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Given that we don't normally, you know, commute the, re- the, the
1: research for the podcast needs to be really deep and detailed, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Need the trial. <laughs>
1: right thank you both for your time uh we will be back on friday